0: You're listening to the Scottish Watchers Live Lux Edition, where we take our weekly live YouTube show, and put it on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, so that on your way to work or whenever you need some entertainment, you can hear us tell Rick that his voice is fading in and out, play Hitmaze maybe silently so you don't know who votes for what, and possibly discuss some fun watch content. Also, because the audio comes straight from YouTube, there's always a chance you can't hear anything, but if you do, it'll be great, I promise. There goes nothing. Welcome,
1: welcome, welcome to Scottish Watches Live. You should, if the technology has all worked for a change, now you'll be seeing all the beautiful people of Team Scottish Watches, plus one other beautiful person who, uh, after this week's podcast, is actually going to remain on mute for the entire episode. Because all I've got is abuse this week for interrupting our guest, R.T. Custer. Apparently, you've achieved what many believed wasn't achievable but there we go and anyway, we'll get to team in a wee second we will begin with our usual uh checks of who you are and where you are and what you're wearing according to my screen first up is Dave Floatlight where are you and what are you wearing
2: I am just outside Glasgow and I am wearing a vintage credor
1: oh very nice not seen that one for a while mm-hmm and then next up is sean
3: hi everybody i'm sean i'm from washington dc and today i'm wearing the speedy pro
0: cool and then for August. hi guys i'm from singapore uh today i'm wearing the five digit sub. uh this one that i borrowed from my dad. good and then derek
4: um derek in brooklyn new york and also wearing a speedmaster professional today
1: oh two speedies dave will did that he chose uh, a a and then, two seconds <laughs> <laughs> like, goes off selects one of 17. Uh, Ralph what are you and where are you and what are you wearing
5: hi I'm Ralph and I'm in Dubai and I'm wearing today the Seiko 64 mass reissue
1: yeah it's a nice watch that seems to have taken a lot of people uh, by surprise that watch as to how much they've, they've liked it so no, that's interesting yep. to see you wearing it. then I, I don't know if Uh, she is wearing her new beloved but next up is sam
6: i'm sam i'm in colorado and today i'm wearing grand seiko blue snowflake that is shared with my boyfriend i can't say it's all mine but it's shared with my boyfriend
1: so is that one of the u.s special releases the blue snowflake it's not one of those seasonal ones
6: it's it's in the seasonal one
1: it is a seasonal one, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know enough about the subject. You know, I don't know what I'm doing a watch podcast for. And then finally, but by no means the least, we have RT, who is almost certainly wearing a Speedmaster as well. RT, where are you and what are you wearing?
7: <laughs> uh, RT from Vortech Watches, um, Fort Collins, Colorado, and I'm wearing our Military Edition. Very good,
1: very good. And what what was that before it was your Military Edition?
7: Um, It was a Hamilton pocket watch originally made for the U.S. Army Air Corps during World War II. How appropriate.
1: So as folk will know who have listened to the podcast this week, RT has been involved with Vortec Watches. It's his business. Him and his partner set it up. And they successfully won their case this week against the might of the Swatch Group, uh, Hamilton uh, in particular, Uh, who had strongly objected to what they had done uh, with uh, old pocket watches uh, of Yes or Year. So I thought what we'd do is I would just, before we get stuck in, I would just share this screen. And what we would do is we would go through uh, all the coverage. So I would just go to Houdinke and i have just put Vortec watches in and, wow, they're not reporting on it. How, how peculiar. So I thought, well, a blog to watch surely must be reporting this news story. It appears, it appears not. Surely journalists such as are found at Watch Pro would be good enough to report on a, a brand like Vortec uh, winning a case that has been, you know, well known in the Watch community, but apparently not. It would seem that largely the Watch media has been quite silent in terms of what's been happening with yourselves rt what kind of reaction have you got from uh, those bigger organizations and then the likes of us as podcasters and youtubers to what's been going on
7: well overall um extremely positive i mean everybody's excited for the little guy winning right Uh, david and goliath kind of story a lot of reactions from our customers Um, everybody I know that, that has followed us for the last five years through the, the legal battle has been, you know, stoked to say the least. Um, and I've gotten private messages from, from some, you know, bloggers and obviously you guys had me on and thank you for that. I can't stop thanking you for that. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, it's, um, overall, um, a story that it looks like I, I just have the responsibility to tell. And so. Um, hopefully other people have me on and i can keep telling this story because for me it's some of the best news we've ever gotten exactly
1: well we'll give you another opportunity to tell it for posterity on youtube so give us a feeling what was it like when i think it was last friday did it arrive by fax or a phone call or a letter was it your solicitor lawyer that called you how did you find out
7: um i I missed a few phone calls um I, I was actually you know one of the the first times that've I've taken the afternoon off and uh played golf that day um and i I got an email um as as just a follow-up from from my attorney who couldn't get in touch with me because uh, I had muted my phone and um and yeah I mean the I think the subject line was um you know champagne is in order. And so we, we promptly stopped playing golf and started to drink because, you know, I think that's, that's natural when you, when you win something this monumental.
1: Good stuff. So everybody else who's in the chat, you've obviously all followed this uh, as well this week. What are your thoughts on what's been going on? Who would like to kick us off? Should we go to the League Legal? Should we go to Sean?
3: <laughs> well, if you going to put me on the spot, then I have to give my disclaimer. Nothing I say is legal advice. So. But I mean, from a legal perspective, I think some of it was to be expected considering some of the prior case law that's been out there, but you never know how these things are going to go. To me, the most interesting thing was that Hamilton's case was based on what seemed to be a Canadian brand manager's email. Which is interesting because for a trademark, you're usually dealing with like U.S. confusion. So the fact that even their evidence was Canadian base was interesting. Also, to the fact that they didn't seem to have the proper foundation to even insert that evidence into record was interesting from Hamilton. But, you know, it's still within the appeals period. So hopefully keep your fingers crossed. We'll wait and see.
1: And what do you think? I mean, Dave, you are a big buyer of items of luxury from the brand that own Hampton, some of their other watches. What do you think something like this actually does to a brand? Or in the grand scheme of things, the big boys is just what they do. It doesn't really make a great deal of difference.
2: Uh, to be fair, you know, it, it doesn't really matter whether it's watches or whatever it may be. Um big corporate plays legal games all the time and some of them hit the news and most of them don't frankly because they will argue over they'll they'll argue over like the dust in the bottom of someone's shoe if they think that it'll get them either a financial recompense or something else that's just the nature of the corporate landscape now it's just sad that most of the time it's usually between themselves and it's just a transfer of monies between corporates um but occasionally when they get after the small guy or somebody else that's when it can be a little bit David and Goliath and they're the ones that tend to hit the news Um, but they're sometimes the ones where they they sometimes don't think before they do it I think they just they just play the game and they don't necessarily think of the consequences or how it will be reported to them when a corporate goes after another corporate I don't think anyone really cares particularly much it's when they choose a fight that's maybe not a fair fight that folk get a bit more
1: upset about it. Yes, there's a very much the David and Goliath element to, to work. Yeah. yeah, but
4: also considering the, the media coverage that we were talking about, I think your average consumer probably won't even hear about this, it seems like.
6: right? Probably.
2: Probably. necessary. It sounds bad, but probably most of them don't care either. You know, it's, um, it's only people who are maybe directly involved in the industry or in the hobby itself that maybe might get a bit more interested in it. But your average Joe that buys a watch probably doesn't care one way or t'other to as long as they can buy what they want when they want. That's all they really care about.
6: Yeah, yeah it
3: was, this case was interesting because it went all the way through trial. Most of these things, like most cases, 98% of cases are going to settle before trial. So this was one of those few times where we actually had a verdict, which makes it interesting. But still, mm-hmm. most people don't know about it. They're not going to care. It's just one of those facts of life.
2: What not I, that yeah. Yeah. So Probably more interesting, you know, but a lot of interest maybe from legal circles because, as you say, it's not often these actually get to this, you know, end end game stage. You know, more more often than not, it's the threat of court action and somebody pays someone else and off they go and everyone's happy. But there's no real um, specific conclusion or legal conclusion can come out of it. Whereas this this, as you say, got that far, which is unusual in itself. Yeah.
5: No. What is where is, sl- where is where is where is Swatch? So the Swatch legal team involved, or was this the Hamilton legal team?
7: Uh, it went it went as high as the chief anti-counterfeiting officer of the Swatch Group. Of the Swatch. So. Okay,
5: Swatch
7: Group. All right. Yep. So well, I mean, in the sense, Yeah. I think it's ha- a, Hamilton it's a case did of... most of it, but Swatch was, you know, the people I I talked to. Right.
3: Right. Hamilton so, yeah, was the yeah. main plaintiff, though, right?
5: Yeah. So then it's what what Dave said, basically a company with a big lawyers on retainer saying like, OK, let's do it. Right. We're paying for them anyway.
1: <laughs> so, uh, it's interesting that rather more of the watch media reported Rolex beating mm-hmm. their small company in La California than have reported the uh, big boys being beaten by the small fry. So, right,
3: yeah. but Rolex, once again, that was a settlement. So there wasn't actually like a beat and they agreed to turn think- on their own. And like think- uh, for uh, like Hamilton, Swatch Group in general, like if you own a trademark, you have to enforce it because if they let everything go, yeah. it looks bad for them. If someone does start coming around and infringing their marks, yeah. the other party can now say, well, you're not enforcing it against this guy or that guy. So why pick on me? So there's a sense where they do have to step up and kind of send those cease and desist letters. And maybe they didn't think everything through about which ones to take to court, which ones not to. But I mean, every organization has to protect their intellectual property portfolio too. That's most of the brand's value actually nowadays. Yeah. How do they- um,
6: Oh,
1: Sorry, go ahead, Sam.
6: Okay, Okay. or if you want to over talk me, it's fine. I was going to ask, did, um, how did they present you this, this whole trial? Like, did they mail you a letter? Do they contact you directly? What, what happened?
7: Yeah, we got a cease and desist letter uh, in May of 2015 um, after we, we put an advertisement in Watch Time magazine that featured uh, what we call the Lancaster, or a Hamilton pocket watch that we turned into wristwatch. Um, that's what kind of set things off. And when we got the cease and desist, um, to be honest, I thought it was, you know, a misunderstanding because in my mind, I was advertising for them. You know, I was preserving Hamilton history and turning into wristwatches and all that stuff. And And I was, it was myself, my business partner and a designer in an office. We had yet to make a single watch. We hadn't manufactured a single thing yet. So I was just like, where's this coming from? And to all your points, it's all very valid in what? kind of my, my legal team advised me, which is, Hey, this is probably corporate policy for a big company like this is they see their name on somebody else's product. So they just, they send a letter. Um, the, the thing that, that stands out for me is, you know, as soon as I got that letter, I answered it. I mean, I found every single person with a C in their title on LinkedIn that worked for Swatch or Hamilton. And I sent them a personal note and said, uh, you know, let's let's be friends. <laughs> you know, why why do we or let's at least not be enemies? Like, I don't, I didn't want this. I don't, I, didn't, I don't want any of this. Let's work um, together. Yeah. Yeah, and they, um, I mean, for five years, um, did not respond positively to any of that.
5: Mm. So, what I'm I curious, what I'm, did. I'm, they, I'm, cu- I'm sorry. Please go ahead,
0: Yeah, did, did they ever try to settle along the way, or is it like, true train to trial?
7: Yeah, we. um, I can't talk about exactly what we discussed in settlement, um, but yes, we did um, have lots of settlement discussions. Some of some of those are a little bit public knowledge, you know, from the court documents um, that you can read. the The most interesting court document is something that um, we did get a little bit of press on um, about. I guess a year and a half ago, um, we did a, a settlement conference in New York City. Um, With their side and my side all kind of sitting on a table trying to work things out, um, semi-amicably. And um, the judge actually um, basically slapped them on the wrist for not taking it seriously, not showing up, literally. Like they just did not come prepared to make a deal. Um, And they had to pay a fine to the court um, and basically apologize to me for wasting my time and a ton of my money. Um, and so that was when, at least for me, I really started to feel like I was being bullied um, instead of just having some legal conversation.
1: Yeah, uh, Darren, who's DM Tiffany Timepieces, who you know, is maybe just trying to make sure he doesn't end up in these circumstances with the watches he's making, is asked the question as to whether you think that, uh, that Swatch were just expecting you to buckle on the cease and desist rather than go the distance
7: for sure um you know and, and even we so we got the the official federal lawsuit began in july of 2017 and they sued us for trademark infringement and counterfeiting and they didn't just sue Vortech watch company they sued robert thomas custer uh mm-hmm. me personally um and so that was was a pretty clear action of trying to make this feel more real to mm-hmm. me um in my mind um, and you know, I did take it personally, and and I kept doing what I was doing. I kept personally reaching out to them, trying to correct the misunderstanding.
5: Did you did you ever um, check with them and said like, hey, what do you want? I mean, except of course the whole hundred percent, I'm doing nothing. But what can we do in order for us to continue our business? What do you want me to do? I mean, only use Hamilton dials on Hamilton. What um, movements? use a specific framework, Is there any? was there any fruitful discussion that you ever had with them? Or is this all like, no, 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 we just want you to stop?
7: Yeah. So uh, a lot of that is, is protected settlement discussions. So I, oh, I can't okay. talk about the specifics. Um, I'll just tell you the straight up overall answer um, is yes. And anything you can think of that would have been offered from either side was certainly discussed in some way, mm-hmm. as you might assume.
1: Well, well, let's move it on a little bit uh, to some actual watch news and watch content. We'll get your feedback on this as well, RT, and we'll no doubt jump into some more bits and pieces. A uh, couple of uh, something that followed on from from last week was that GPHG have actually come out with their proper shortlist. Now, the interesting thing is here is I can no longer find the long list. So, I am working from memory as to what has disappeared, as to what didn't make it. So, that bronze thing isn't there from last week. But also, interestingly, things like the Anordain, the Orage, the uh, Doxa in the Iconic class is also not there. Anyone got any particular observations on GPHG?
3: I'm shocked when they had all theirs knocked out too. I did not see that coming.
1: Yeah, yeah, Wempe are crying into their big
3: pillow tonight. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the Anne Arden was really surprising for me because didn't the brightling like non traction space plastic watch stay in at its expense?
1: <laughs> yeah, so the brightling in the challenge category is still there. So Anne Arden lost to Ming. Okay, kind of get that to the Karuna Tokyo. I can kind of see it. Uh, to the Louis Erard, which is the Allianz Silberstein. Yep. I'm sure that the Allianz Silberstein is a design pattern. You've got one, Dave. Is any more significant than what Anna or Dane were doing? You know, I mean, they're entirely different. But it's not a it's not a high quality watch behind the scene. It is all about its design and what it looks like and what it says. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, I think I think you know the the Tokyo is probably the nearest straight head to head with Anordain. Ordain. It is different, but it's probably the most similar in you know price point and layout. I think the thing with the uh, there are is that it's the first time there's been a, a Silverstein kind of watch at that kind of price point because typically they've all been typically much more expensive. Um, and again, I, it's it really comes down to. You know, it's the judges, remember, it's like a, the, you can never probably second guess them because it isn't entirely industry led either. You know, there's a lot of individuals in the judging panel and you never quite know what their thought process is, do you?
1: Yeah. So I think it's a shame that the or didn't make it. I don't think it's entirely surprising. Uh, I mean, that
2: was the I think that's the first time they've ever got on the, the list full stop. And, you know, there's a lot of brands don't make it through the first time they get presented. So I think I think if they just keep presenting, they'll get there.
1: I think more for me the disappointment is in the Petit Aguil where the Orage Tourbillon was sitting and it's effectively lost out to a skeletonised ross, a wing that's got some rainbow colours on it and a yeah. plain three-hander Portuguese. Yeah.
2: I I'll tell you, if that Sarpaneva doesn't win that category I'll be amazed
1: yes Yes, I mean it's all very well saying that, or I should have been in there, but I think this is probably the winner. Although, I, think, I mean, Braille did they win something last year? I'm trying to remember, I thought they had they, or oh, they certainly had a submission last year. There we go. Cool. Any other observations from anyone? I saw Docs in the, in the iconic. Docs, uh, Docs are still in the dive watch category. The cat- along, yeah, along with
4: the UN uh, Doxa knockoff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is Ricky. Yeah, there. there you go. There you go. <laughs> this one. Yeah. Yeah, well, must... it looks
5: a bit like it's made of bright light.
1: Huh? There we have it. And on the iconic, I think, uh, I don't, I, st- I mean, I still think the winner comes between the Bulgari Aluminium Co- Chronograph and probably the GP. Uh, yes.
2: I mean, I... In saying that, in saying that, the Seiko, you'd be surprised, that's pretty iconic as well. I think uh, it'll be interesting yeah. how they vote on that.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, that that's it, that Seiko is more classic than certainly the Bulgari or the GP. Um, it's, it's got a much longer history and it's really not changed much in its entire time either. And it's never gone out of production. The, the others, like the Bulgari, is just a reissue, let's be honest. It's a watch that was around 20 years ago, disappeared and it's come back again. Mm-hmm. Whereas that Seiko has been there all the time. That might go against it though.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we shall see what happens. We'll keep an eye on that and we'll be doing a show at some stage in the future going through them all. So let's talk some actual new watches and we'll do some hit miss maybes. So first up this week uh, is this, the Ball Engineer Hydrocarbon Need You. Now, RT, we discussed in the podcast about ball watches and you shared uh, some thoughts just about how good they were historically. You want to repeat yourself the purposes of of this particular show and then tell us what you think of this
7: absolutely yeah so um you you all probably know ball was one of what we call the great american watch companies they made pocket watches in america starting in the late 1800s um and it's one of you know a great example of a, a you know relaunch of of the brand and in my opinion of all the brands that have been relaunched all the great american brands ball is doing everything right i think they're using all the right, you know, heritage and design cues from uh the original ball watch company from Cleveland, Ohio. And I think um, you know, Webb C. Ball, who founded Ball Watch Company uh back in the day, I I, you know, I think he was one of the best marketers in the history of American watches. Um, you know, the official railroad standard, um, a lot of people say on the ball comes from him. I don't know. But um, you know, I think I think he would not be rolling in his grave if he saw some of these things. I think he would he would see it as a a really excellently done progression of the brand.
1: Mm-hmm. Anybody own a ball watch? I have one. Any of the rest of you gang have any? Yep. from These guys. What have you got, Dave? Uh, yes. Mm. It's. Uh... <laughs> you- yes, yeah,
2: an engineer. It's an engineer. As an engineer.
1: I, I mean, I really like these. They are quite. Panorized, but I do really like the the crown guards, uh, the crown guards that these have. This particular one has a few unique designs about it in terms of helium release, etc., etc., and obviously all the the luminous tubes that ball watches are known for. Mm. Anybody else have any experience? Nope. Silence. That's I know. That's I know. Then. That's a no. Oh, that's a no. <laughs> I, have to, I have to say, I think these are incredible watches for the price and would certainly encourage anyone to go and have a look at them so this is the first one up i uh, i think this sounds like a distinct maybe to everybody because not a lot of people know about it but uh, give us your thoughts hit miss maybe on this ball watch and the answer is a maybes oh a hit from yeah it's a it's a distinct maybe from everybody well, I suspect the next one will engender a bit more uh, opinion. And this is something new from AP. And again, goes back to this fact that every time you something, they call it a concept. Surely once it's released, it's actually no longer a concept. Well,
2: I don't necessarily know. You you know a specific Zenith watch that was definitely a concept and it was definitely released and it's still definitely a concept, Rick. <laughs>
1: There is, they took the the inventor and released it. They stopped calling it a concept watch, that was clearly the mistake. They had to keep that the, was the mistake, yeah. Concept watch. So this is the AP, this is from Hodinki. This is the AP Royal Concept Flying Turbine GMT. I have to say, I do quite like this. I mean, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, but look at this. It's, it,
2: it's, it's very nice, apart from it's got the one thing that just gets my all going which is tourbillons for multiple reasons one is just why it's not a pocket watch so it's no need and two why every time everyone does one do you have to be able to see it through the dial the case on this is cool straps great certain features about it is nice uh, and it's more balanced than some but it's just mm.
5: because yeah, that's that's what the, why they make the tourbillons right to look at to marvel it's not you know, it yeah, no function. it's just, it,
2: well, it, cool. I mean, it, it, what, what annoys me as well is that there's so many brands will class it as a complication. You're like, it's definitely not a complicated, it's not, you know, it's not a complication, it's just part of the movement. And, you know, it's, yes, it's nice, but there's no justifiable reason in the majority of them for the price uplift that they will charge you for a tourbillon. You know, they're not, it's not materially that much more complex to make than many other movements. But the watch world seems, especially the Swiss watch world, seems to pigeonhole it into a, the minute you say Tourbillon, it gets expensive for really no justifiable reason.
3: I mean, it's a French word, so they get to charge more, right?
5: <laughs> yeah,
3: for sure.
5: Does um, Moza do a Tourbillon, by
2: the way?
1: Yeah. yes. Yeah, yep. And can Probably you see it? it? Uh, yeah.
2: yeah, good. good. I, th- I, think, I think the only Tourbillon that I've seen recently where you can't see it, and it really is a nice watch, is the um, Laurent Ferrier. Yes, this this the sports watch where it's visible from the back, but it's just a beautifully clean sports watch from the start, and it's you know that that's that's a brand doing it properly. It's like we don't need to shout about the fact that this has got a tourbillon on it; it does have it, and if you want to look at it, you can see it through the back. But that's, and, yeah. in fact, even even that watch comes optionally, I think, with a solid case back, so you don't even need to see it if it was there. That to me, I get, but it just it strikes me as well. It's AP, so it is a bit flashy, anyway, isn't
3: it? It just feels cheap since, like, everyone on the low end does like the open heart thing, so that mm. they give you that turbion effect at like the three hundred dollars price point. So now, once you have everyone doing that from like Orient on, and now you see, yeah, AP, you're like, okay, you're doing the same thing like Orient's doing for two hundred dollars, yeah. basically. And, and at least, for,
2: at least with that, that is a relatively open dial if you want to call it a dial it's not really got a dial has it but you know like the other one i don't know if um rick's got it lined up but the langer um with the 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 reverse um push dial that was there with the tourbillon yes i do which which have you got it there
1: i think it's this one you're meaning
2: that's the one that Mm. watch is that watch was hitting every single tick box until they cut a big hole out in the bottom (laughs) of it it just it just i mean that that i mean that ruins what that dial could be that dial could be so perfect if it had didn't have that tourbillon shown through the bottom end of it
1: in an absolutely shock move i a hundred percent agree with you it makes that ap look like something out of a chinese uh kickstarter campaign mm-hmm.
2: i mean that's i mean that's that i mean that that's doing it right but it's still there's just no need to have and that that's not a that's not a flying tourbillon
0: either that's a cross bridge one isn't it right think so. Uh, Artie... Yeah, but on that one, they are using that as uh, the running seconds, right? Like in place yeah. on the second hand? Yeah.
1: Yes, I think they are. It's a, is it a double spot, that one? Looks like a double spot. Uh, I've not actually read it yet, so there we go. Artie, have you actually done much in the way of Pocket Watch tourbillons making them into wristwatches?
7: Um, there were some that were manufactured like that, um, but you know, a lot of them have solid dials and you can't see them from the front and that's what the customer would want um, in, you know, in that, or at least that's what these brands are, are seeming to tell us that the customer wants. Um, just cut a hole in it. Yeah, and 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 I am not willing to um, sacrifice uh, an antique dial and cut a hole right through the middle of it. I just, I think that would be wrong. Um, and so, yeah, I that last image though that you showed, I was just gonna say one of the things that our customers comment on a lot when I when I get to see them in person and they talk about our watches and, and talk about and compare them to their other watches is I, I get the simple comment all the time, which is I just I especially if I'm gonna spend tens of or hundreds of thousands of dollars on a watch, I need to be able to tell what time it is. You know, it's just like this <laughs> oh. simple, like I need to look down and see the time, right? Like, and, and going back to the, the AP, you know, stuff like that, especially when you cut all the dial out and there's a lot of stuff going on, man, it's maybe hard to tell the time. And that's such a simple thing, but I hear it a lot from customers.
1: Yes, that AP is not going to be the easiest thing to tell the time on of that. There is no doubt. Uh, and I mean, how much of a demand, I mean, how specific do people get with what they want in taking an old pocket watch and turning it into a swatch? You know, to what extent do they just like the aesthetic and let you deal with the detail, choosing the movement, choosing the one to use? And and to what extent do people actually come up with a very fixed idea of what they're after?
7: Yeah, um, we, we get email requests um, all the time to do all kinds of custom stuff, skeletonizing movements, people asking us to do many, many different things um, to look like. A lot of times I get pictures of the big brand watches and they say, hey, can you make something out of an old pocket watch that might look like this? And um, our blanket statement is no. Um, we, we do one thing and we want to be the best in the world at it. We take pocket watches and turn them into wristwatches and it's very, very simple. Um, and we already allow customers to do so much customization in terms of changing the case color and the crown color. And we have 20 different strap colors um, that I just say, hey, we can do anything. I mean, we, we have our own machines, we can make almost anything, but just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Um, And and I really try to hang my hat on that and just focus. Um, And I think that focus has led to a lot of our recent success.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt that unlike that AP, you can definitively tell what the time is on these watches. I think having gone through your website over the past few days, I've decided this Springfield is my favorite one. It's old Illinois. I don't know if that's a particularly popular model, but I do like, I mean, the movement on the back of that just looks stunning.
7: Yeah, that's called the Illinois Autocrat. And it's one of my favorites. Um, the radial engraving pattern um, is just amazing. And it's even more amazing when you think that um, Illinois Watch Company, uh, between 1915 and 1925, they made almost 300,000 of that movement that looked exactly the same. Right. Um, and just the, the idea of trying to make something like that literally 100 years ago, without any of the manufacturing technology that we have now, um, just blows my mind. I don't get it.
1: Okay, let's give the, the hit-miss maybe treatment on the count of three. Tell us what you think. Same if you happen to be in the chat. Join in. I think it's a, it's a miss. So you can take your, how much is it? Never actually checked. You can take, if I think maybe one of these ones that it doesn't tell you because it's so, oh, no, actually $200,000. For some reason, they've made it actually 198000 using $400 so goodness knows what that is the exchange rate for. Uh, plus like, tax. Plus tax that's very definitely. Um,
7: we'll you move buy on. a car with the tax. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, you, could
2: pay, you could pay your mortgage for a year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to this. This caught me by surprise as to how much I actually like this. This is the Angelus U41. Now Actually, I've seen better images of this than on this particular magazine, but this is the the one that gives us the most pictures. I uh, I don't. It's a brand I don't know a great deal about. Anybody particularly familiar with Anjos?
7: I've seen several in person. Um, the the woman who used to do PR for us um, did does PR for them now, um, and and she. Has, she wore one, um, and it was from an engineering standpoint and how the case was made and how it was all set up. I was really impressed.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, that looked pretty cool, I have to say. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
4: Yeah, I've, I've seen one in person. I don't know if it was the same model, but it looked pretty much the same, and uh, it's really nice in, in real life.
1: So available in all your modern-day Rolex OP colors, by the looks of it. Think you can uh, get any, any,
0: any. any idea how much it is?
1: Oh, I I suspect that it is a <laughs> lot. Look, look, you can't even uh, get you can't
2: uh, you can't even get decent pictures. Never mind asking him questions. Stop! stop <laughs> assuming he's prepared.
1: <laughs> I do know somewhere <laughs> where the price may be available, but for some reason it's not available on this website. Oh no, there you go. Find uh, oh, it. Okay, that's uh, half of that,
4: that's, Half of that is the tourbillon.
0: <laughs> yeah, the only the only reason I ask is because it looks a lot like the new GP. I can't remember what model is that. And um, yeah, it also looks a bit like the the UN Blast, the the new one. That one is, that one is like sixty grand Singapore. So this one is probably two thirds the price. Yeah, just just.
1: Yeah, but thirty one thousand Swiss francs. I I yeah. I thought as I was scrolling down, I was looking for something beginning with a one hundred. But uh, clear not So, are these guys based in the states then, Archie? If you've got someone that used to
7: uh, Switzerland, to, from from oh. what I believe, yeah, yeah they are. Yeah, I think
1: they're Swiss. Yeah, uh, so
4: they I really like
6: these. I, th- I like the the different color variations. But it, like we were saying, at least we can know the time. It's not so busy, and the color of the hands make it easier to read. Unlike the AP, I feel.
1: Yes, Uh, so let's uh, do a quick hit-miss maybe on this and then we'll move on to the stars of the show from A. Lang and Sona. Give us your thoughts, folks. Maybes. A couple of hits, mostly maybes. No, no, actually more. Actually, no, more (laughs) hits. There's a four hits. Fifty, yeah, four hits. Fifty, so that's pretty decent. So, I think probably the star of the show this week, and we move, although there has been this release today. Uh, so, we'll just get your quick thoughts. This is the new Patek Philippe Calatrava when. Travel. Uh, you think this is a winner?
3: Look at it. That's a beautiful watch. Beautiful. I like gold 37 Oh, yeah. You can't you can't that's
2: one thing particularly good at is that mm-hmm.
1: i i don't know if it's just because it's in quite bland photos i i it doesn't look terribly live it's maybe- that, yeah it's just it's been <laughs> flattened
2: look at that though it's been flattened yeah. over that 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 dial in your life will be absolutely no good
1: that's the nature of that one uh yeah uh, these are cool. This one doesn't have the alarm complication. The one, was it last year, they released the one that's got the four Trek things on it, uh, which also has an alarm. Yeah. On it, it reminds me of the
5: JLCs, right, uh, with the
1: memo Boxing, double, yeah. double
5: hand, yeah, general. Yeah. There's the, the indicator for local and home time, the, yeah. the dots
1: it's it's very cool but what we're really looking at is these guys so the elang and zoner turbo graph perpetual and 1850 15 thin honey gold limited editions first of all i think it's a bit strange that they've released these as if it was one release i can't really think as to why they would throw it's, the,
2: it's the anniversary pieces is it not
1: yeah, but I mean, take yeah. a link, link out of Omega, just because it's the anniversary doesn't mean you need to release it in the same even year as the anniversary. I, I just would have thought they would have given themselves like a week apart or something rather mate, than...
2: They're, mate, mate, they're German. They were probably released to the second of the birthday.
1: It's <laughs> it's more efficient this way, you know? Yeah. Correct. You, you speak to your home one. <laughs> uh, that's good. And because uh, this came out as well, I think at the same time, this uh, 1850 Rattrapant. Uh, that assume. that honey
2: that honey gold is good yeah uh, this one yeah the honey gold color though the color of the gold is so good the honey
0: yeah. gold they, they use it on all three it's supposedly more scratch resistant than the the usual 18k though, though nobody knows how they do it
7: mm-hmm. I mean that's something you want to test probably <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's,
7: that's yeah. it's not
1: terrible Do you notice a difference in the (laughs) quality? I mean, obviously, a lot of these pocket watches, when they come to you, are presumably just movements as a case up with the gold that they were originally in. How many pocket watches do you actually get in that are still full pocket watches for conversion? And do you notice a difference in the kind of way they are built, longevity, thickness of gold, gold leaf, whatever they use, versus what you see nowadays?
7: Yeah, so um, most of the time when we get a full pocket watch with with its original gold case, it's it's from somebody's you know heirloom piece. It's a, a their grandfather's or grandmother's pocket watch, um, and you can always tell the quality of of the the pocket watch by the case itself. I mean, if it was a high quality movement, then they most likely put it in a solid gold case. It just all kind of went together. The interesting thing though is that back in the day when you ordered these, you ordered them from like a Sears catalog. So you could purchase a movement and then upgrade the case to be, you know, silver, gold, or just downgrade the case to, you know, nickel or gold filled or something like that. Uh, To answer your question, though, um, we, it's kind of what I said, we we haven't tested it because we don't want to find out how scratchable they are, especially because it's somebody's grandpa's pocket watch, you know, I'm not going to drop test it um, I I have used a lot of them for logistics you know um, just shipping back and forth and the gold filled models that were actually way cheaper back then the it's just a really heavy gold plating but it holds up really well and I think the general answer to your question is we don't make things today to the same quality as people made them a hundred years ago and that's a generality but I think it is fairly uh, accurate in general.
1: I think the only thing that, uh, as I observe this, particularly Zona is these screws seem rather unimaginative. <laughs> uh, that's a bit odd, is it not? They cannot use something that was maybe of a similar color rather than just what appears to be six big stainless steel uh, screws, but there we go. But I mean, the movement does look absolutely wonderful.
7: Yeah, pretty distracted by that movement, yeah. so I didn't even notice until you pointed him mm-hmm. out. No, it's yeah, crazy. it's not. It's not. It's not terrible.
1: So, what would you be your choice? So, Dave, you don't like the tour beyond. Is anybody's favorite the much more simple three hander?
4: Two hander.
0: Yeah,
1: it's mine.
0: I love yeah. it. that.
7: it's beautiful. <laughs> that looks you know, like a pocket watch. So I love it.
4: <laughs> Arthur, <laughs> Arthur's in. Arthur's in the chat, and he's a big fan of the one on the right.
7: Alright. Okay. Yeah.
1: Anyone actually brought you in your watch that's not actually a pocket watch to turn into something that's recased in something that you make, so just like a, a, a more modern movement or something from the sixties, but not actually a pocket watch. You ever done anything particularly odd like that?
7: Uh, we we traditionally say no to a lot of those projects. We have done that one that was really cool. Um, one gentleman got a a pocket watch from the USSR back in, I believe it was the 1980 Olympics. And somebody correct me if I'm wrong, that the America didn't go. Um, and he was a boxer and uh, an American boxer, and he was supposed to box in the Olympics. And the USSR sent him a pocket watch um as almost like a consolation sorry we couldn't you know beat each other up kind of thing <laughs> um and and so we turned that into a wristwatch for him as i mean obviously something like that was extremely special um we have pictures of that on our website somewhere i can find it for you
1: cool cool yeah no the the two-hander uh, this two-hander right, is very nice it's not the one i would choose but it is it is very nice so between the three then a I... You've got a choice of either three of them. Dave, which one are you going for? I assume you're going for this one. Probably. Yeah, so that's the 1815 Ratswine Honey Yeah, I'll take
2: Shobo. that one too. That's pretty classic. That's
1: pretty classic, to be honest.
7: Yeah. I like that one better, yeah. even than the one that looks like a pocket watch. That one's just beautiful. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I think this is this is the this is the winner between the ALSs. So give us a quick hit miss maybe on the whole collection of all three of them. On the count of three, <laughs> did we like what Alang Zona had to offer us this week? And the answer is, I think it's yes. a unanimous decision of the entire series. Uh, there we go. It's a hit for everything that ALS have done this week. Right, as we come to a close, we will have a look at this from uh, red bar so dave give us the give us a lowdown on what happened this past weekend and if you could tell me where my oris bear mug is uh, i would uh, greatly appreciate it so last weekend
2: was meant to be the global meetup for the second full global meetup which is meant to be in london obviously due to a very um pertinent virus that seems to be hanging about longer than it was invited for um we decided it probably wasn't best to do it live in person so we have moved that date um into next year but we decided to do a virtual uh, meetup instead which was with most of the brands and people that were going to be engaged in the in-person events so to speak and i think it went down really well so um you know we had the, the big thing we had with that was in person were capped at about 250 people with that we were capped by our zoom license which is like a thousand for each session and i think we had just shy of a thousand people took us up on tickets for it which is a lot of people um and you know we uh, we really good folk, really good feedback from folk. Folk were kind of tuning in pretty actively to all the different sessions, and all the sessions are now available on YouTube as well. So we recorded them all, and they're all there for anyone that either wasn't watching it live or missed them or whatever. But part of it was that we launched um, this year's or this the, the latest Club Watch, which obviously folk all know that a couple of years ago we did the Oris, and this time we've done this one. Well, it's actually two models. Um, right
1: this
2: one that's correct so you've got a cost certified uh, time only which is this one and using this is a new high life range which is kind of pulling back from some of their heritage pieces kind of uh, integrated bracelet um but it's a quick release integrated bracelet and it also comes with a leather strap with a deployant which is easily shifted over. The two models are the Costco only and this one, which is the uh, perpetual calendar. This is their new in-house perpetual calendar movement as well. Um, These have got the dial that's unique to the red bar edition. And they've also got the color hits on the dial for red bar, the little red hits on them as well. And the case back, I don't think you've got pictures of the case back, don't you?
1: I will hunt out a picture of the case back while you are. Yeah, you'll see
2: there. And in terms of additions, there's 10 pieces of the perpetual and there is 100 pieces of the cost time only um, with the case back they've done as well. Um, price, You can see the little quick release notches there for the integrated bracelet. So it's very simple to swap it over if you want to. Um, price points as well are at uh, in UK. Uh, roughly 1,600 UK on the course time only, I think it's just shy of $2,000, it rings a bell, $1,800, $1,900 and the perpetual is 7,900 UK um, and I think it's about 9,000 US roughly. and for anyone in Redbar, there's a red bar special code, et cetera. So keep your eye out on your emails from your local kind of uh, group heads and stuff, and you'll have the details about where you can buy these from.
1: Good, good. And have you bought two or are you getting them both or just one of them or none of them? Uh, I've gone to the time only one actually. Cool. Good stuff. Yep. Anyone else mm-hmm. that was involved with red bar this weekend? Anybody else got a chance to log on and have a look?
4: yeah i watched oh. all of it it was all it was all pretty good good content
1: any particular highlights from the weekend derek um the a few people in the
4: chat are saying as well oris sent uh some like vr glasses and did a whole like underwater uh presentation that was pretty cool
1: yeah okay uh is this official beer goggles for the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: the the panel. If anyone's was not seen at the panel discussion, um, there was two panel discussions. They're both well well worth a watch. But one of them had the guys, you know, like from MBNF and various brands, which was really quite interesting.
1: Cool.
2: Good. Old. I wanted to
6: ask: Was it done on purpose? The so like the people in the US got bourbon, I believe, and then everyone in the UK got scotch, right?
2: Uh, yeah, basically, it was. It was really down to the fact that the uk dealt with the uk folk and the us dealt with the us folk so basically it's i think uh, whatever they happen to have to hand in their pile of freebies that they could be sent out <laughs> and this, this is
5: one of the things where you can be happy that you don't live in the middle east because uh-huh. we would have gotten fruit juice <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, aussies get sent castle main forex or something yeah no, good, good stuff good stuff so a uh, final hit miss maybe on this I think we actually did this last week but uh, give us a quick thumbs up or thumbs down uh, it would be inappropriate to give a thumbs down probably uh, no it depends but I, I think I think it's a cool looking piece especially the time only one for the money it's a great, it's a great wee piece yes for yeah. the money they are certainly uh, more than worthwhile good stuff so anything coming up this week that anyone's excited for RT are you just uh, biting your nails until 31 days has come
7: yeah, um, I mean, I'm just getting back to work. We're just trying to make watches. That's what we've been trying to do for five years. So I'm just excited to be able to do that and not stress about too much else.
1: And will you be making Hamilton pocket watches or watches based on Hamilton pocket watches? Absolutely. Yeah,
7: we, we released what we call it the Lancaster. Uh, Hamilton was based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, and so the Lancaster model is now back in production. Um, and we released one yesterday and it sold in six minutes. So we, we make one watch a day. So um, we're, you know, we're not going to launch 50 of them or something like that. Um, It's, it's just one at a time, but we are considering what I'm calling internally a victory lap um, uh, where maybe we would launch one new Lancaster model a day for like the month of December and do 31 of them in a row. Um, You know, we'll see we'll see what happens
1: and the one you suggested wasn't addressed to like jean Frederick dufour or anybody like that it wasn't like didn't go to lvmh group or richmond order of a special occasion for them no
7: maybe it's, it's, i don't know uh I, someone's watching uh all the time so um <laughs> got to keep it professional good stuff good stuff
1: well thank you very much for joining us i i Again, thanks, RT, for the time you've spent with us this week. It's been great to get to know you a bit better, both uh, on the recordings and also off of the recordings. Uh, finally, from anybody else, anything else significant going on this week that anyone's looking forward to? Are you all just living boring, dull lockdown lives? Oh. Bamford. Well, yeah. I'm looking for the Bamford. Oh, Bamford, yes. So, mm. yeah. It's good. How many Bamfords have now been bought within this group? I think there's at least three. If not, four. GG's not. So Ralph's got one. Dave's got one. Derek, were you buying one? Essentially. <laughs> the, back the, back.
2: The, 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 the answer is he is. Yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> so in
4: your. I don't want to divulge sources. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think GG's <laughs> But uh, there we go. So yeah, check out the Bamford limited edition hmm. along with... Is it actually a limited edition, Dave? Or is it just that it's yeah, different?
0: Yeah, two, oh, 2,000 pieces.
1: 2000. 2000, oh, okay. Two thousand. Two thousand two thousand PCs, yeah. Right, cool. So it was like actually it's
2: gone or any? Oh no, they, they are gone, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um they were split between G Shop kept most of them, but between their website and their retail store in the UK. Um Bamford had a couple of hundred, I think, and there's a couple of hundred went to Beaver Brooks of all people for some bizarre reason.
1: And Scottish watches have got all the rest.
2: <laughs> yeah, but they, they sold, I think, three minutes. Bamford sold his all in three minutes. Uh-huh. And it was about 30, 40 minutes, and all of the G Shop ones. The website didn't even last that. The website lasted 20 minutes, and I think the shop lasted just over half an hour, and that was it, gone. Oh,
1: well, I suppose that counts as a success. Wow. Good stuff. Well, you can now check out uh, the audio version of the Search for Scottish Watches Live Lugs Edition on your podcaster. You can now download a show. Yes, it is me that's been doing the editing. So, yes, the sound is terrible, awful. (laughs) The intros, as done by all of the faces you see in front of you, are all very good and very funny. Especially, uh, I should really get Sean to count us out with his best, uh, you know, coming soon to a cinema near you. (laughs) (laughs) In a world where watches (laughs) take over. (laughs) (laughs) on. Uh, So yeah, so check out, we have some very exciting episodes that we've recorded uh, with the main channel on Scottish Watches, and one of them was even with Dave, uh, and uh, with somebody else who may be called Nick from Fears Watch Company, that'll be coming up soon, and our new mini series is starting soon, Uh, we're not telling you who it is with yet. But uh, keep an eye out for that, but do check out the Scottish Watches Live channel, the main Scottish Watches YouTube channel, which will have a, a, a video. Ricky keeps on promising me that Sophie's going to be appearing there uh, soon with one of our watches, but uh, as yet hasn't appeared. But I, I believe he's, uh, Ricky is just, he's not here today, so he's away. I think the word he uses is entertaining. But uh, some people find them more entertaining than others. But there we go. So as I like to say in the show, thank you to everybody. And it's goodbye from me and goodbye from all of them.
0: Bye-bye. 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 So that's it for this week's Scottish Watchers Live. If you want to understand what we're looking at in the chat, tune in every Friday on the Scottish Watchers Live YouTube channel at 4pm UK time. Do also check out the main podcast and all the other video content and articles which we have that you'll find by searching Scottish Watchers everywhere. So thanks for joining us. I'm Philologus. Ologos, Walris Watch on Instagram. Till next time, take care.